0: And the Birds Papaya on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. Hi, everybody. It's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. Hello. Welcome to It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I'm Kat. So glad that you are here and so glad that you are here, especially today on this Equal Pay Day. Did you even know it was Equal Pay Day? You know, it changes every year. And do you know why the date changes every year? There's so much to learn surrounding. Pay and pay disparity and the gender wage gap. And I'm just so glad that you're here because my conversation coming up in just a little bit with Shannon Williams from the Equal Pay Today campaign. She is the director, she is a wealth of information. So if you are frustrated in your job or you're not making enough money or you want to ask for a raise or you need to know how to negotiate effectively, or if you love uh, someone who is in this position, a friend or a sister or an aunt or maybe your mom or your daughter, who knows? This is some vital, vital information, and we all can kind of do our part here so that we all create a better future for the next generation of girls. You know, this topic is really near and dear to my heart, and it's weird I came to the mic here to to talk with you guys about this and it's it gets me pretty emotional. It gets me emotional because if you aren't familiar with my story, I I was one of hundreds, thousands of women who was being underpaid at my job at E and And just the reflections and the memories surrounding that whole phase of my life, it really was like a solid year and a half of my life when from the time I was tipped off to being, quote, severely underpaid, you know, to the whole many months of trying to get more information about that, finding out what was true, what was not true, then working with my team to try and negotiate for what was fair pay compared to, yes, um, my male counterpart, who I very much considered my equal at the job, the same experience, the same time at the company, the same public profile. You know, this was an apples to apples situation and he was making more than double. And by the way, that's been reported incorrectly um, a little bit over the years. You find something like that out and maybe you've been in my shoes. It's its very frustrating. It was upsetting. Um, I was a little embarrassed, you know, because there was another piece Four years ago or so, mind you, before this conversation was at the forefront, when maybe we as women weren't asking the question, how much am I making? How much is he making? How much are the men making in my role versus the women? If in fact we are contributing in a similar way with a similar background and similar experience and all of this. But then I, I I left and I've talked about that a lot in interviews and I don't want to just beat a dead horse here. Um, what that departure was like, what that decision was like. But then there were many months after that where you know that became a defining, a defining part of my life and my purpose and my energy every day. Um, there was the emotional side of just leaving a job. Period. After being there for twelve years then you add the the piece that it became very public and i it was in the news and then you add the piece that there's just nastiness out there and untruths i've always always said and i to this day have said and insisted that th- that this is not the male's fault this was not jason kennedy's fault um that my finger was never ever pointed in that direction. He always championed me. The system is the issue, right? The lack of transparency is the issue. Politics are the issue, just the pervasive culture in the workforce where this is just what's been accepted all these years, you know, the guys club. And so There was the emotional kind of recovery of the weight of all of that and then knowing that the world knew about that. But then there was this other really exciting force of an energy because I felt like I had a job to do at that point. You know, I was so fueled by all of you, the many, 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 I mean, I couldn't keep up with the messages and the DMs and the emails from people all over the world just saying, go, fight, use your voice, use your platform, use your reach on this subject. And so that's what I did the year following um, my departure, the Time's Up movement got into full swing as well. So there was all of this collective push towards bringing this issue to the forefront for women in all industries the disparity is real it is not a myth and my guest today is going to address all of that and explain to you why March 15th is equal pay day this year if you don't know you want to bang your head against the wall when you hear these stats let me tell you cuz Although there is some progress being made, um, the amount that women are making on the dollar compared to the average man ugh, just makes my stomach turn. And then when you hear how much women of color are making on the dollar compared to white women and men, it's... So upsetting. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But I did ask you guys on Instagram, you know, send me some questions, ask me any kind of workplace related questions. And maybe I can give you just a tad bit of advice. You know, I'm not in the workplace anymore. I mean, right? The full disclosure is I now work for myself and I have my own production company, Lovebug Entertainment. I have my own digital division where I, yes, monetize my social media and I um, produce this very podcast and the work that I do on the red carpet, which excited Coming back to the Oscars this year, all of those things I do kind of un, under the umbrella of my own production company, which at the end of the day right now, bar my managers and some agents and a couple very part-time freelancers, you know, I work alone. So I'm not in the workforce like so many of you anymore, you know, working for a company. and, But let me tell you, I did. I did for years. I did from the day I left college. Um, My first full-time TV job was in San Francisco. So I had 20, almost exactly 21 years, five days a week in the workforce. So I feel you. I have been there and I've seen it change. I have seen such a distinct change in how women are now more at the forefront and we are certainly doing the jobs, and we are certainly getting the jobs, and we're certainly getting more high-level jobs, but we're just still not getting paid for it. So some of your questions don't have anything to do with pay, but let me see here. Here's a question from my story 1969, and she says, I'm working with a company. I never got an offer for a lead role for the last seven years. I also never asked for it. Uh Oh, well, you know what I'm going to say to that? You have to be an advocate for yourself. You have to be the number one fan of you, and you have to communicate that. If I did anything wrong, or if I would go back and do anything differently, you know, I would have spoken up more. I would have knocked on the door of my supervisor, executive producer, or whatnot in my case. But I would have communicated my wins and accomplishments. That is not bragging. That is, it's just kind of like proof of concept. You know, they're investing in you. and, And you have to remember, you know, they're managing lots of employees. And so speak up. You never asked for that raise in seven years. Listen, the The fact of the matter is you might not get that raise. We've seen that happen also. I heard from a handful of people at E after I left anonymously who did not want me to share their stories, females who were so frustrated because they're like, why am I not getting the promotion? Why does he always get the promotion? Why did he get moved up? Why is he, you know, um, moving up the ranks? So that may be the case, but we definitely know if you're not asking, the chances that you get that promotion or the role you do want lessen and lessen. So you gotta keep Speaking. Keep using your voice and ask for what you want. And if the timing isn't right, you'll know that at least you did ask. And then you're gonna keep kicking ass. And then you're gonna go back again. And then you're gonna ask again. And if and if it's that stagnant, then you eventually have to consider a career pivot, right? Because if you're doing that well and you are deserving, and I'm sure you are, um, then maybe there's a, a better home for you. This is <laughs> that's a funny question, Pia says, how do you deal with millennials in the workplace who don't have the same work ethic? That's a really hard question because I know what you mean. You know, we've all come up at at different times, different decades even, and that can be really, really frustrating. Um, It's funny. I was talking with Katie Couric on a previous episode, just a couple episodes back and and she she raised this point because she and her husband run her company Katie Kirk Media and you know they're hiring all these really brilliant minds and wonderful um young people but they're also noticing or witnessing they're like what you know th- th- some of these young folks aren't uh, behaving in a way that maybe our generation would have. We would never say that to our boss or we would never ask for that or you know, um she was communicating some similar things like maybe the new generation doesn't want to work nights and weekends um but maybe that's okay too. You know, I'm gonna say something that might not be that popular. I think once upon a time you were kind of supposed to, Sell your soul to your company if you wanted a raise, if you wanted um, a great position, if you wanted more money, you had to, you just had to work night and day. You had to eat, sleep, and breathe your job. And then you had to, you know, be available on weekends. I don't know that that's the answer either. Personally, I like to see a shift in the culture where there is a better work life balance for everyone. I don't. I mean because listen at the end of the day again you have to invest in yourself because as much as the corporate culture is oh we believe in you you are our family and and often the idea is to make employees feel like this is this is it this is the most important job you'll ever have this is this is your family the end of the day we're all disposable man that just kick you to the curb in two seconds and all those hours away from your family or all the time missed from things you've wanted to do that you you sacrificed because of that company I don't think that's a particularly healthy way to approach your career either like so just to answer your question Pia I think you just might have to endure it. I don't know that there's any advice other than you could mention it to your boss, but it wouldn't be really the thing to do to mention it to said employee because then you create a little tension and then you create a little, you know, resentment. And I just don't think that's going to be received that well. I think if in fact that millennial coworker is quote-unquote slacking or not working the way you do, well, that's going to show up in their output, right? So let that that work out itself because it always does. Interesting. Angelina says here, I'm feeling guilty taking my day off and or I'm stressed even on vacation. I know I have a problem. (laughs) Oh, man. That's tough. You know, again, that's speaking to what can feel like being a slave to your job. And you become so attached energetically, even if you love your job. Finding the boundaries in life are so important. I mean, I'll drop a little yoga on you guys. I mean, that's one thing I've learned about all things, whether it's your job or even people, people you love very much, things, attaching, squeezing too tightly, holding on, clinging, all of that is unhealthy. The goal is to get to a place where you're at a a kind of a piece in all of these relationships, whether it's professional or personal. And so I would say, Angelina, you are not alone. And I understand why you feel that way. You have been molded probably to feel that way because that's again back to the culture of work and how it has been all this time you're almost made to feel that way so here's the key thing it is a feeling and feelings we can control so you got to work at that you know guilt is a pointless emotion in any regard so Stop it. I'd say stop it Angelini. Stop feeling guilty. Enjoy your time on the beach. And my last bit of advice there is the advice I've given on the show plenty of times. Is be in the present. I mean that applies to everything. Be in the present. It's the tattoo I have on my wrist. Be here now. Feel your feet on the ground. Use your senses, the scent in the air, the way the light's coming into the room. Like Breathe, be here because it's crazy that what our minds do to us, nothing you are thinking about on vacation, nothing you are possibly thinking about or worrying about on your day off, about when you get back to work, all those feelings, they produce nothing. They do nothing. They are not productive. The only thing they are good at producing is taking you out of the moment that you deserve to feel awesome okay? Okay. So I will just say, I do think, and I'm sure you guys have read about this, and there are a lot of conversations right now about the 40-hour work week, you know, the entire way we work has changed because of the pandemic. A lot is shifting, you know, Those conference rooms, those big meetings, the day of meetings once upon a time, so much is changing and I think it's a good, good thing. I think it's a good thing for overall happiness and I think the pay piece hopefully, hopefully is going to continue to change as well in our favor which is why I want you to hear this conversation. Shannon was so fun and great and just, wow, full of so much on this subject. So I'm going to stop talking and let you in on a conversation here on Equal Pay Day. It sure is a beautiful day. You get your money, ladies. You get paid. You deserve it. I'm sending you lots of love. Hey, you guys. If you love iced coffee or maybe cold brew like me, listen up. How does cold brew on tap sound? Wandering Bear is the best cold brew you can get without even leaving your house. They make this incredibly smooth, very rich, chocolatey-tasting cold brew. They put it in a box with a tap just like they do boxed wine So the box keeps it fresh and makes it so convenient for you to fill up your cup in the morning. It's super easy. It's really kind of like having a fancy coffee shop right in your fridge. Wandering Bear is the best coffee money can buy. It is 100% organic. It's super strong, by the way, and extra smooth. And it's really cute because you see a bear on the box, Wandering Bear. Um, I should also mention they have six different flavors to choose from, straight black, vanilla, caramel, mocha, hazelnut, my favorite, and they also have a decaf option. Um, They're all organic, they're all sugar-free, they're all dairy-free, and they even offer subscriptions so uh, you will never run out of coffee it's a way better price per cup versus going to the coffee shop every single day. So get 20% off your order with code CAT at wanderingbear.com. Again, that's 20% off your order with code CAT, C-A-T-T. Yes, that's with two T's at wanderingbear.com. This is an issue very near and dear to my heart. If I'm completely honest, you know, I was one of those people, one of those women working and on the grind, and I was a mom, and I was just going through the motions like I think a lot of women do, just doing what needs to be done. Until I was personally affected, you know, I was kind of asleep at the wheel on the matter. And so I'm glad you're here because I know progress has been made on this issue, but I know a lot of progress still needs to be made on this issue. So can you just start by telling us and telling everybody listening what Equal Pay Day really is? Because I think some people don't even, you know, why is it March 15th, 2022? There is significance in why we are drawing attention to this issue on this very day.
1: Equal pay day is the day in the year where women catch up to what men made in the previous year before. Simple as that. So if you notice it's March 15th, 2022. So we are already third of quarter into this year right now. So women are just finally catching up to making what men made in just 2021 alone, which is crazy, right? Because given everything that's happening now, who cannot use the right amount of pay in their paycheck. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. No, it's absolutely,
0: it's, it's wild and and it's pervasive and it affects so many women, uh, especially women of color. Why is it important that we start there? I mean, what is the disparity today as far as the statistics go? You know, what are women making on the dollar? What are women of color making on the dollar? And and how do we start the work?
1: Yeah. So women are making 83 cents on the dollar. That's what we're observing for um, Women's Equal Pay Day on, on today, March 15th. When women of color are factored in, right? When you talk about the wage disparities with women of color who sit at the intersection of gender and race discrimination, those are just compounded. The impacts are compounded. And you see a much larger wage gap falling within women of color. Because of that, you have Asian women and Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander women having to work until May 3rd to catch up to what Uh, white, non-Hispanic men earned in 2021, they're being paid 75 cents to the dollar. Uh, Black women are having to wait until September 21st to catch up, earning 57 cents to the dollar. Uh, Native women and indigenous women are having to wait until December 1st, earning just 50 cents to the dollar. And uh, Latinas are are earning 49 cents to the dollar, taking them into December 8th uh, (laughs) to catch up to what people made or to what white, non-Hispanic men made just last year alone.
0: Wow. I mean, I'm sitting here shaking my head and I know people can't see me but it's just like you you go through <laughs> those those numbers and you're just like how can this be possible? Why is that? What is the root especially for women of color? Why is the disparity so so large?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because there's a couple of different compounding factors, right? We know minimum wage is one. Women make up two-thirds of uh, minimum wage workers. So our country's unlivable minimum wage is a huge contributor to this wage gap. Uh, the minimum wage has been stalled for, I believe, 13 years while prices of rent and necessities have increased, right? Nothing's stopping just because <laughs> everything else is stopping. If minimum wage had kept up with national inflation, it would be at $24 right now. We're just trying to fight to get people $15. So when advocates are calling for that $15 minimum wage, it really shouldn't be an issue. It should just happen because it should be much higher than that right now anyway. We also need to end the sub-minimum wage, uh, which is uh, $2.13 federally, and we need to just pay everybody the minimum wage. Um, $2, I mean, uh, $2 is nothing. What can you get for? <laughs> what can you get for $2? Right. So we really need to be be mindful about that. Occupational segregation, uh, that's a huge factor and contributor to the wage gap. This refers to the fact that women are disproportionately segregated into our country's lowest paying fields. Mm. And even with, you know, within most of those industries, there's usually an, an uneven distribution of women in the lower paying jobs than men at you know, particular companies, and then we can also look at this kind of another way. Uh, fields that are traditionally dominated by women are undervalued, and then so deliberately underpaid, like teachers and nurses, who we have learned right now are pretty much essential. I think we always knew it, but yeah, not pretty much now, right? <laughs> Extra essential, yes, yes. This sounds
0: like the most obvious and almost silly question to ask, but like you're sharing, like here's how it is, and I'm thinking, I'm still thinking. Why is that just straight up discrimination period in a story? Just that is it literally go back to literally just historically, that's how it's been. And we're still trying to dig out of the hole
1: we're still trying to dig out of the hole. And it's it's quite a hole. You know, I think there's been a lot of strides made and there's a lot of progress. There's a ton of organizations, including the coalition that I I helped to run, that are really working to close the gender wage gap. And there've been some good strides, but there's still so much more um, work to be done in order to make sure that women and women of color and essential women workers are being paid what they need to be
0: paid. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about some of those organizations, some of the laws or bills on the table that can help with that. And then I want to talk about maybe some personal responsibility and what we as women can do ourselves. So you are part of the ERA. Can you tell people what the Equal Rights Advocates is and what kind of work that this organization does?
1: Yeah. So I run the Equal Pay Today campaign, which is a project of equal rights advocates, um, an organization that's dedicated to advancing and protecting the rights of women and girls that are most impacted by gender and racial and economic inequities. And we've been doing that for over four decades. And then the campaign itself, the Equal Pay Today campaign, was launched on the 50th anniversary of the signing of the uh, Federal Equal Pay Act. And our coalition consists of both national and state-based organizations from all across the country who are really just dedicated to challenging the legal and policy and cultural barriers at the local, state and national level uh, that are keeping women from being paid equally. So it's a, kind of a two-pronged fight. We're fighting on the federal side, but we're also making sure that we're advancing some of the things that can happen at the state level as well.
0: And when you say we, who are these organizations made up of? Like, Who's coming to, to this this party to try and make the change?
1: Yes, amazing organizations, some legal uh, advocacy organizations, some traditional civil rights organizations. We have the National Urban League. We have the National Women's Law Center. We have some of our state-based partners who we love to work with, like the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable and uh, 9 to 5. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, But we have lots of representation in different states all across the country. And then in some states where we're working um, to actually really be focused on passing and advancing a lot of the equal pay reforms that we're working on as a coalition.
0: Got it. I know there are many and probably maybe too many to mention, but specifically here in California, I was learning about this Transparency Act or this bill towards transparency. What, what is that bill about and why is transparency such a big piece of this puzzle?
1: Yeah, transparency is really important because lack of transparency is almost just like a lack of accountability. So um, if you're not willing to be transparent about how much you're paying your employees in terms of collecting pay data, or if you're not willing to be transparent about putting salary ranges in your, something as simple as that, right? Putting uh, salary ranges into your uh, job postings, having people talk about pay. That transparency piece is so important because it at least A, starts the conversation and then B, kind of highlights where problems are and then what actually needs to be fixed in those problems. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can't really fix what you can't see and transparency really allows you to kind of highlight where those are and then you can start to kind of attack that problem.
0: There is still a stigma like, you know, on the one hand, I think women are so deeply invested in themselves and they want, obviously, to to feel economically strong and confident and, you know, get their money in order and make the money they deserve and all of this. But on the other hand, it's still a topic that, you know, we're asking for transparency and there to be this very kind of out loud, overt conversation about salaries and who's making what. And that can be difficult at work. It's a touchy subject. Do you have any advice on
1: how to approach that? Yeah, that's... Funny because I, you know, I feel like we all have that kind of hard time talking about pay, right? I feel like you know it's kind of a cultural thing and maybe a generational thing. I can still like hear my grandmother in my head saying, "Baby, don't you tell people how much you make <laughs> um, <laughs> when we're talking about pay." None but it right, right, <laughs> right, exactly. Oh. But it kind of is their business because if we can talk about how much I'm making and compare, and then I can find out how much you're making, mm-hmm. and you can have these conversations then you can get the ball rolling on, well, hey, you know, I'm making this, you're making that, we have the exact same qualifications, why is this? So having these conversations and kind of breaking through the uncomfortability of having those conversations is really important because once you start kind of uplifting that and amplifying that, then you can start to figure out where those issues are lying, where you need to you know, place advocacy efforts. Um, and then having these conversations with men as well <laughs> in your workplaces is really important, too, because sometimes you'll find out, you know, they might be an advocate for you. I you know so-and-so is making this much. We're, we have the same qualifications. Why is that? So, yeah, it's it's really hard. (laughs) And I understand that having those conversations um, are really hard. And I feel like I struggle with it, too. But it's so important to closing the wage gap.
0: Yeah, I mean, besides even being a little uncomfortable, and again, I lived this and you know, I I was still working somewhere for 9 months while this became an issue and I knew about the issue and then I'm trying to like you said talk with the males involved and maybe get them on my side and there are so many moving parts to this, but I think another beyond that even for a lot of women, another reason maybe we keep quiet or don't speak up is because of the retaliation when we mm-hmm. do. Like what is on the line? What do we have have to risk. You know, moms need to feed their babies and people still, you know, have bills to be paid. And so it's like, if I speak up, if I, even if I know it's wrong and this is like, this is unfair and it's morally not cool. Do I speak up or don't I, when there's
1: so much to lose? Exactly. And that's the push pull, right? And that what you meant, just mentioned, the retaliation piece is a huge uh, factor as well to to the wage gap because people are scared. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to go and be afraid to have a conversation with one of my coworkers about salary that could ultimately, you know that impacts my livelihood and then be concerned that it's going to get back to upper management or executives. and now I don't have a job at all, right? And that's a reality for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. one of the things that we're doing um, And the Equal Pay Today Coalition is advocating for uh, bills and legislation that does address the retaliation piece and making it illegal for employers to retaliate against employees for having those conversations around pay, for being transparent about what they're making and for, you know, advancing those conversations and keeping the conversations going, quite frankly, around pay and how much they're making and and finding out that maybe they're not making what they should be making and then what the next steps are after that.
0: Yeah. I remember when I left my job, of course I heard from a a lot of lawyers, frankly, and 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 some of which were very, you know, much in favor of me even suing over the issue. And I had I struggled with that so much because, you know, I already had somewhat of a public profile. And I thought, you know, even though I I, I knew and they were very, very confident, I had a very strong case and and, and we could win. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid of doing that because of of that retaliation. And not only that, but just then it's like that's that stain on you that you carry around. And then every next employer, you know, doesn't maybe want to consider you for a job, et cetera. So there's just so much to mm-hmm. weigh. And it seems so unfair, but I I I believe very much in the legislation that you're speaking about because I think that really is the way to protect people. So they they're not muzzled
1: over the issue. Exactly, and not somewhat famous. You are famous, <laughs> so I can <laughs> understand how how that would be, you know, problematic and and scary. But it's it's so important that we're that we're continuing to speak up and kind of speak out on on what what's happening here because that retaliation piece. I mean, that's it's a real tangible <laughs> thing, and it's and I've been fortunate enough. I feel like to have worked in places where I. May not have seen that, but it is a tangible fear for a lot of the people that we work for in terms of like the communities that we're serving around advancing equal pay legislation and closing the gender wage gap. And you see it across the board from the highest level jobs to to beneath. So,
0: yeah, 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 yeah negotiating, what would you say are the best ways to go about that? Because some people are like, I don't even know what to do or how to do it or how to like uh, at least do it effectively.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple of different answers to this question. I love it because the negotiation piece always pops up. So first, women actually do negotiate often. We just don't get what we're negotiating for. Oh, <laughs> so okay. that's already problematic, right? Mm. So women are empowered to negotiate for and ask for what they want. We do it all the time. We just don't always get what we want. So to that end, though, with negotiation, I think it's important, but I also think that we need to make sure that we're not just placing the onus on women to fight for what they need to get. These are just basic things that we should be having. Equal pay is a... <laughs> It's a basic human right, it's, really. You're right. It's not a, an abstract concept. <laughs> yeah. So to say that women need to be, you know, focused on it's because you didn't negotiate. Right. Mm. That's why you're not getting paid fairly. Well, no, it's because I'm not getting paid fairly. <laughs> mm. So that needs to be an issue or that mm. needs to be something that is addressed as well. And then with learning how to negotiate, because I do think, I do want to say, I do think that negotiations and knowing how to negotiate for what you want is very, very important. I don't think it's the be all end all to make sure that women are getting paid fairly, because I think that there's a lot of other things that need to happen. But Negotiations is very important. And there are a lot of organizations that actually help women to learn how to negotiate, to kind of set the stage for how you should negotiate. And then I would say uh, research also is a good component. And this goes back to talking (laughs) and having those conversations. Know what people in your field are making, and it'll be very clear to you whether you're being paid less, Um, especially when those people have the same qualifications and have had either the same or maybe less years in the field than you, which we see a lot too. So do, do your research and have those conversations to kind of equip yourself with, with that. So when you go into those, those negotiations, it's, well, Bob told me he's making this and I actually have three years plus more than Bob. (laughs) So being equipped with that kind of like knowledge and being able to have those conversations, I think it's important as well with the, with the negotiation piece.
0: You're saying, bring the receipts. <laughs> bring the receipts. <laughs> bring the receipts. Okay. I get it. I I do, I do. What do you say to people who say, eh, the wage gap isn't real. It's a myth. Doesn't exist. I can't believe how often I have heard that from, obviously, strangers on the internet. But it's like, there there is a, a, a core group of people
1: who think this whole thing is made up. What do you say to them? I guess this is a, we need to be... Mindful of our language, so <laughs> I'll make. Sh- <laughs> so I'll make sure not to say what I would really say to them. <laughs> um, let's just say it's a myth that you think it's a myth <laughs> because there's so much data <laughs> and so many women that are actually living this experience to tell you that this is true. That this is happening. There's legislation (laughs) that is telling you that this is happening, and the myths are quite frankly ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, And there there are a lot of myths and misconceptions about the gender wage gap that exist. One being. That education is an equalizer for women. That's not the case. That's not one of the one of the uh, that's not a myth, you know, that we're seeing that the wage gap exists because women don't ask for raises like we just talked about with the negotiations um, and that we just need to be more mindful of asking for more money or that we need to negotiate better. Uh, That's a large myth. That they're saying that the wage gap doesn't exist for, for women of color, because how is it possible that that there is a wage gap that exists for, for women of color when well, we know that women of color who are finding themselves sitting at the intersection of race and gender discrimination are seeing these these uh these things compounded and these discriminations compounded and it's showing up in how they're being paid. So, you know, I would say that the myth is that this is a myth. <laughs> but on this day, like
0: what what can we all do? What, what can we do to help remedy this disparity and the gap and help continue to move this in the right direction for women everywhere?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot happening. Um, There's a lot of organizations that are doing some really amazing things on Equal Pay Day to help amplify. I know our uh, coalition specifically is raising awareness during a Twitter storm that we do every year on Equal Pay Day. And we do it for all of the different demographic Equal Pay Days that we observe as well. We try to get it get the day trending and get people talking about it and getting involved in this conversation. So on March 15th, um, from 11 AM Pacific or, to 12 p.m. Pacific, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, to 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll all be putting our phones up and tweeting as much as we can around the amplification of this message on Equal Pay. You can follow using the hashtags Equal Payday and Equal Payday 2022 and get involved in that conversation, just at least at the ground level to let people know that this is a conversation that you're interested in and this is a conversation that you're interested in moving along. You can also do things like supporting federal legislation that could help to uh, really advance and close the gender, or close the gender wage gap. Um, things like supporting the Paycheck Fairness Act. And I just want to mention this because this has been introduced and stalled for a while. The Paycheck Fairness Act would do four things. It would increase pay transparency uh, by making it illegal for employers to retaliate against workers for discussing their pay with colleagues. It would make it illegal for employers to ask a job applicant about their salary history and what they currently make versus what they used to make. And this would be really Helpful because this would help to break the cycle of unfair pay because using prior pay to set someone's new pay really just perpetuates the discrimination, right? Uh-huh. It just follows you. So it would do that. It would also require employers to prove that pay disparities exist for legitimate job related reasons. And then on top of that, it would remove obstacles for workers who want to join forces against discrimination and class action lawsuits. So Paycheck Fairness Act is huge. It would do a lot to close the gender wage gap and to help remedy this. So what you can do is you can email your senators and you mm. can call them. and Mm. you can tell them that this is something that you need. And the next time you see it pop up in your news headline, you can be very vocal to your legislators in your state and tell them that this is something that you want um, and something that you need. Mm. And there's so much work to be done. And I'm just grateful to have a hand in that work.
0: Well, we're just grateful that you took the time to to share all of your knowledge with us. I thank you so much for for joining me and I'm sure everybody listening uh, learned a lot. So thank you very much. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind-the-scenes action and more info. That's at Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Kat. Talk to you next Tuesday.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death